The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is the representative from the 2nd District in Wisconsin, Congressman Mark Pocan. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I, was, I was talking about the fact that the Inf- uh, Inflation Reduction Act looks like it's going to become a law. Um, what's your reaction to that? Happy about that? Yeah. This is a good thing. Yes, this is this is huge, right? Um, you know, we had tried to get the Build Back Better agenda done for months and months and months last year and early this year, and you know, many of those components are in this bill. Um, this will help uh, families when it comes to health care, when it comes to energy costs. It's going to work on reducing the deficit. It's um, has a, a lot for climate change uh, that we never would have seen if we didn't continue to fight for this. So uh, I'm uh, extremely pleased to see this moving through, and it looks like it's passed the two uh, most difficult hurdles in the Senate. Uh, <laughs> now we're just waiting for the formal vote, and we're excited to take it up in the House. I mean, w- what are some of the things in the bill that people should know about that will actually help i mean when we when we say there are climate provisions what are we talking about yeah so so let me start with i mean i think healthcare is probably some of the most significant i have never understood why we allow big pharma to make us the united states pay more than any other country for drugs and there's a huge provision that allows for medicare to negotiate for drug prices that will um provide enormous savings, uh, especially to seniors um, and, and, and others through that on drug prices. We're also extending some of the assistance and, and help for people uh, on uh, getting health insurance that's going to provide assistance to people. So, you know, just there alone, I think the figure was something like $800 savings to people, and there's another uh, savings uh, through then the environmental and climate change provisions. Uh, many of which are just getting us you know, closer and closer to that uh, reduction that we've been seeking mm-hmm. um, by, uh, by uh, different years for different programs. That reduction, uh, mandating that reduction, and those health care provisions, along with other provisions of this bill, and doing that by taxing uh, those who've often not been taxed, uh, big corporations that haven't even paid anything uh, in taxes and in some other uh, ways to tax the wealthiest, I mean, this is a win across the board for mm-hmm. everyone, and uh, people will not be paying for this if you make less than 400000 Um This will be paid for by the, the most wealthy in this country. Uh, again, it takes the most basic components of Build Back Better, short the child care provisions, which were very, very important, but it does get those across the finish line, uh, and it will be a big win for the American people. Is it possible to ever get any of the child care provisions 
through this Congress? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we obviously we have a midterm election coming up and a lot of people have pointed out um, that, you know, while it was basically a miracle that there even is a 50-50 Senate, right, because there was a special election which flipped the state of Georgia, which was historic. That was like a once in a life, not once in a lifetime, but it had been once in my lifetime, basically. Um, so when you're, when you're thinking about what the makeup of the Congress that you would need to, to get some of the additional items that, you know, are essential, they're not just nice things to have. Um, they're essential, the essential foundation of, um, you know, self-determination, particularly for women and families. Um, so how hopeful are you that that is a message that perhaps you can you can cultivate and take to the voters in November to help grow the majority and not worry so much about the fact that, you know, history says that, you know, the Democrats are going to lose their majority. I mean, don't you think that, look, let's go get child care for you guys. We just got you lowered health care costs and climate provisions. Um, and, you know, we're taxing corporations that haven't been taxed before. But we can get more if we had more Democrats. No question. I, I completely agree with you. I think it's one of the most important provisions that uh, President Biden wanted to get done in his agenda. But, you know, I think the answer I would give you is, you know, we, we're getting this through right now through two hurdles, uh, two almost mountains that had made it difficult for months and months and months to get it done. But we have November elections coming up and states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and now Ohio and North mm -hmm. Carolina um, are all looking more like really good pickup opportunities along with some other states. And I think what we're finding in the polls where, you know, economics were the number one issue for most uh, people, the a strong number two issue is the issue of choice, you know, making uh, your own decisions about your own body, having that freedom to do that. Now that that's uh, taken away by a, a conservative path Supreme Court, I think people are realizing that, you know, Yes, there's inflation worldwide, uh, certainly not caused by Joe Biden, but, you know, the rhetoric is out there differently. Uh, but the fact that we uh, are losing our very freedoms and could lose freedoms to marry and access to contraception and other issues, if we can pick up additional Senate seats, we don't always have to worry about one or two people like you do in a 50-50 mm -hmm. Senate seat. It's an important point, and I think that, you know, you, you make um... – an essential observation, which is, you know, the states that you listed off, including your own in Wisconsin, you know, these are battleground states. These are states that are quite close uh, in general elections um, in this upcoming midterm election. Obviously, fewer people historically have turned out, but maybe that won't be the case this time because of what you mentioned, which is the issue of choice. This is one of those weeks where you're reminded that gerrymandering is a big problem because um, Kansas surprised everybody on Tuesday night. And even though the referendum was written intentionally to be confusing, even though they put it on the ballot in August when nobody would be paying attention because it's the summertime, um, organizers knocked on doors in Kansas summer. Um, and I want to credit them for that because that is very difficult to do. Trust me. I've been an organizer in the summer. It is hot. Um, and they turned out all a full the full spectrum of voters, Democrats, Republicans, independents, unaffiliated um, to say, nope, we want to protect the right to abortion in Kansas. Um, when you look at what happened in Kansas, number one, do you think about gerrymandering and how much of a problem that is? And if without it, probably the Congress would reflect what the American people want much more accurately. 
Um, And also that it's an opportunity for Democrats because it's very clear that even Republican voters support choice. That polling that says a majority of Americans support choice is true. It's accurate. That includes Republicans. There, if if you got people to vote just on that, um, they would have to choose Democrats because those are that's the party that is protecting that constitutional right. Yeah, Zelina, this is exactly showing how extremist the Republican Party. They almost don't even want to call it a party because it's a cult of Donald Trump and how their leadership behave right now. But the American people you know, want to be able to have that personal decision. And it showed in a place like Kansas, where I don't think people expected to see that strong a result uh, for that. Well, we know that based on the polling, um, but the Republicans are, are so extremist right now, they are representing some of the most fringe elements in this country. And, and you're exactly right on gerrymandering in the House, um, you know, uh, including in my state in Wisconsin uh, and many other states, you know, we have gerrymandered maps from the state legislatures to uh, Congress. And, you know, that's why the Senate escapes that, right? They don't mm-hmm. face gerrymandering per se. And that's why I think we've got some really great opportunities. But I think in the House as well, um, you know, this issue, uh, people worried about losing their personal freedoms uh, is going to be very significant. And now that we've passed the American Rescue Plan, which put money in people's pockets and got shots in people's arms and people back into jobs and kids back into school safely and the infrastructure bill, which is going to create mm-hmm. a million and a half jobs. And we've seen the strong jobs reports throw in uh, the Inflation Reduction Act that we're about to pass. And I think people will see um, that, you know, one, you keep your freedoms, and two, we've done an awful lot in the last two years coming out of COVID uh, that Democrats um, are the the best path forward, even with terribly gerrymandered maps. We're on a little break um, with the January 6th committee hearings, but I I, I still actually am – processing what i've what i've learned at the hearings and since the hearings have been on break we've we've discovered um everyone was calling in all the time on the phone on the radio and they're like what is Merrick garland doing um and then we got the answer it was so surprising it's like oh there's a federal grand jury actually looking into what happened this seems like this is really real this time um how have you been processing what you've seen at the January 6th committee hearings? I know it's on a little bit of a break. And so obviously everybody's attention is on other things. Alex Jones, the Inflation Reduction Act, COVID, monkeypox. There's so many things people are thinking about this summer. Um, but while we're on this little reprieve, I just cu- I'm just curious how you've been watching the hearings and processing what you've been learning and what has stood out to you? Because I have been shocked by the amount of new information that I have learned I thought I knew everything. I thought I read all of the articles written uh, about what happened on January 6th. And I have learned so much new information. So is that true for you, too? And how have you been processing what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, what you're seeing is the connective tissue uh, between, you know, things that we saw and heard with our own eyes on January 6th and have been repeated since then. But now you're actually seeing the, the information that happened behind the scenes, the conversations, the texts, uh, all the information that, that connects this going right back to Donald Trump uh, in his um, awful actions that day of, of one, planning this, and two, not doing anything to stop this and, and watching the Republican complicity that's occurred since then. You know, I remember, I think what stood out the most to me, Zerlina, is that day Republicans and Democrats together were in outrage with what happened. 
And then, you know, over the weeks that uh, happened after that, you know, Kevin McCarthy went down to Mar-a-Lago and kissed the president's ring and forgave him. And suddenly the story changed and they, they proved that uh, they weren't a political party anymore, that they were the cult of Donald Trump. And that's what we've been existing uh, with since then. Um, but I think this has connected it for people. And I think the, the real proof of that is I saw in Michigan, a good swing state, uh, there was a poll in, in uh, Donald Trump. And I think Ron DeSantis was slightly ahead of Donald Trump. So he's dropping in the eyes of the, the folks. I guess the Kool-Aid may be drying up a little because of uh, <laughs> January 6th. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they're going to be showing us because, um, you know, we have to pass this point in history. I think when we look back, we're going to see just how awful it was having Donald Trump there, not just from a governing perspective, but, you know, the hate and the division that mm-hmm. he's bred in this country, you know, the people who are allowed to now express their bigotry uh, proudly uh, as opposed to under a white sheet. And, uh, you know, we need to stop what Donald Trump dug up under the ground and get back to a normal, normal country. And I think that's on its path. I mean, this is such an important point because yesterday um, the conservatives welcomed and gave standing ovations to Viktor Orban, the dictator from Hungary, whose democracy has been downgraded and whose overt bigotry, um, you know, is part of his whole shtick. Um, He basically did a whole shtick yesterday and got a standing ovation for it. I mean, are you concerned at all? That it's not just that the Republicans are sort of veering into like divisive rhetoric or, you know, us against them, but that it's I mean, we did a a special series last week on fascism. Um, And my question isn't like, is the Republican Party fascist? Because I don't know that that's, you know, an easy answer. But are you concerned about the anti-democratic trends we're seeing on the Republican side, the election denialism and that coupled with this racist, xenophobic, anti-LGBTQ, um, you know, anti-everything rhetoric that the Republican Party not only embraces and gives standing ovations to, but also um, perpetuates themselves and embeds in policies. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think the best way you can really see it is by looking at who's actually calling the shots in the Republican Party these days. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is like flavorless jello that will become whatever he needs to uh, by whatever members are, are, are right now in, in the public eye. And that's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, that's Matt Gates. That's Lauren Boebert. That's Jim Jordan. If those are the folks that are seen as the leaders of the Republican Party, I mean, absolutely. They, they so completely represent that most extremist element of the Republican Party. So, you know, uh, I know they they keep spinning that if they win the majority, Kevin McCarthy will be speaker. Well, no, Kevin McCarthy will have a a sign outside of his door that says he's a speaker. But Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan and others are going to be the ones who actually call the shots. And that's the scary part, because it does represent that most extremist uh, Trump, you know, worshiping element of the party. And uh, that's what's at risk with November's election. It's funny you said he's flavorless doll. That's a really, really, really good um, way to think about it. I really like that. Um, one of the other things that's happened this week um, is that monkeypox has been declared a national emergency, finally. The WHO had previously done that. We're already in a COVID pandemic. Yesterday, we had Dr. Syra Madad 
on from the documentary Pandemic. Um, and she said that technically, if you go by the definitions, we're in two pandemics because monkeypox is a pandemic technically um, because it's, you know, cases around the world in different countries that where it's not endemic, I think is like part of the definition. I'm not a scientist. My dad is, though. Um, but uh, but when you think about all of what we've talked about, the anti-democratic forces, um, you know, the attacks on bodily autonomy and the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that's all happening in the context of the fact that we're in a once in a lifetime pandemic and maybe another pandemic that's just starting. Um, how as a sitting member of Congress, I mean, I'm, a, I'm just a citizen and I'm having trouble processing all of that. How are you, how how do you sort of process where we are given the fact that we're really in unprecedented times in so many, in so many ways, not just like political or, or with our democracy? No, there's no question. Huge challenges. And they're not huge challenges just to this country. Um, everything you mentioned are, with exception perhaps of the insurrection, global challenges. Um, globally, we have inflation. Globally, uh, we had COVID and we're trying to come out of covid Globally, uh, the monkeypox uh, pandemic now is spreading. Um, these, chan- these challenges are huge. I mean, I, I feel extremely um, – I-, I feel for – let's put it this way, for President Biden. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were at a poker game and suddenly you look around and he's you know, sitting in a Texas Hold'em game with like a, a two and a seven not suited, uh, you know, a pretty awful hand to try to <laughs> play, and yet he's come out of this um, – really accomplishing some major things for the American people uh, that we're able to get out of this as strongly uh, and as, as hopefully quickly uh, as we are because it's been enormous challenges. So I, I think it just highlights and then throw on top of it our current politics uh, with what happened with the insurrection. You know, it's scary. I, I look at uh, I, I listened to my opponent had a primary debate the other night. I listened to a little snippet of it. And, uh, you know, she's saying her favorite member of Congress, her role model is Jim Jordan. And uh. then I'm looking at our senator, Ron Johnson, uh, who this week told the truth. Uh, what Republicans don't usually say out loud is that he'd like to take Medicare and Social Security and make it part of the annual budget process, not protecting the money that you and I pay in our paychecks into those programs that's our money for the future and he wants to put it on every year to to reevaluate what you're going to do with it and steal your money that's a republican party uh, proposition to destroy uh, social security and medicare as we know it and yet that has barely gotten attention with everything else so there are a lot of challenges right now and i think joe biden um, has been doing an exceptional job especially given the hand he's given i mean it's definitely not a job i would want <laughs> let's just say that no, there's a lot going no. on it's, it's, it's <laughs> there is a lot just for the air force one uh, ride right? no i mean it is nice but it's it's not that not that nice <laughs> um representative mark pecan of wisconsin thank you so much for being here this morning it's great to have you on again and to chat about all of these different issues so important um of wisconsin's second district we love wisconsin Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.